Welcome to another episode of the Psychocast. My name is Ronnie Toth, and I'm here with my co-host. Aloudon Hightower, also known by Dean in the streets, wherever yeah. you find me. Give him, a, give him an Instascam handle. What are you working with? Um, I usually just go, I usually use the at CycleFeed one, okay. or at Aloudon. I was wondering. My personal one, but that's personal. I like the CycleFeed one better. I was wondering who was talking smack on me from the CycleFeed, if, if it was you or... No, no that's me. That's me. We're here with someone pretty, uh, pretty stupendous. She has raced all over the world. We're here with our co-host, but I mean, not our co-host, our producer, Yvette Lopez, by the way. Hey guys. Yeah. Oh, wait, Yvette's got a mic? She has a mic? See, yeah. this is how I know I'm about to be fired, is when Yvette gets a microphone, it's like... <laughs> Oh, he's crazy. The final hour. The doomsday, the doomsday clock <laughs> has struck 11.57. Producers need a mic. They need to come in and tell us when to stop talking shit. <laughs> things like that. Anyway, let's introduce our guest, Ronnie. Who, who do we have here with us today? Super exciting. Should, should we just describe her uh, aesthetically or her results and then, um, and then let people guess? Let's, let's see, Yvette, you know, you know probably more details than any of us. Okay. You've got, well, what, 35 international wins. I know that's a factor. 35 international wins, that's six national championships under her belt. She is about to compete in the Tassau UCI World Championships. Which country are those national champions from? Maybe all over. All She's over. like, no, every single one. <laughs> they got to be America, one. I would imagine. <laughs> They're Canadian worldwide. Anyway. Me? No, I'm not Canadian. Oh, weird not. voice. Who is it? Welcome, Missy Erickson. Missy oh. Erickson. Uh, Missy Erickson. You're not from Mexico? No. The pigments. The, pigments, uh, yeah. the tan. I think I'm a little Pen- too white. The Pennsylvania winter tan has you thrown off. Yeah. That's so funny. How are you, Missy? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Missy Erickson. I like the name Missy because it's like, yeah, Missy. You know? No, you don't know? No. Let me like tell you. Let me, I feel like he was let me tell you what it is. <laughs> let me tell you. Okay. Like, usually you meet people. They're like, oh, what's your name? Candace. Meh. Oh, what's your name? Sorry, Stephanie. Meh. Sorry, you Stephanie. Know. But you meet somebody named Missy, and they're like, oh, my name's Missy. Oh, hey, and Missy. Like, I hear like an echo again when I, when I hear that shit again. You know, like Missy, and I hear Missy. Elliot, Elliot. Yeah, I used like, to get called that in high school. Missy Elliott? Because my name's Missy Erickson. I can't Missy stop Elliot. the rain, rain. It's yeah. my it Thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah. And it's been kind of hectic. We really appreciate it. I know you're, you have a really crazy schedule right now. How long have you been here? How, when did you land? I got here like a week and a half ago. Oh, okay. It's right before Valentine's Day. Nice. Charming. Did you hop yeah. on Bumble immediately and just swipe your way to glory? No, I don't need Bumble. Good for you. Mm, baby girl, killing it in the you. wild. <laughs> Good for you. Bumbles, I think. No, Bumbles, Bumbles is a decent one. That's because you don't have to do anything. No. Hi, yeah. Hi, right, let's talk about Bumble. We got a lady expert on the scene here. Um, so women hold men to a much higher standard for openers. The only opener that I get have gotten on Bumble, actually deleted a few weeks ago. No, it's been longer than that. Um, he deleted it last night because he got nothing back. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. so, no. the, the only opener women That's use sensitive. is yeah. Ronnie with an exclamation point because who's not going to respond to their name? And I think, let me put this gently, um, men deal with rejection, I think, better typically than most lady humans. Oh, not God. true. In dating? In dating. No. No. <laughs> no. There's some crazy dudes out there. Yeah, well, they go with the shotgun approach and just shoot at anything that moves. It's not that necessarily, but it's just like, I just feel I give everybody a 50-50. Everything's even down the middle. It all, everybody has kind of like confidence issues and like approach issues. That's why you have Tinder and Bumble. Do you see what I'm saying? 
And I, it's like a different audience or what? As in the grass always looks greener on the other side. For example, you said, oh, you know, women, uh, what did you say again? How did you say I it? I think men deal with rejection better in dating or they're, they're maybe not better, but they're more used to it. I think women are just as used to rejection think too. So? Like I, for yeah, cause maybe sure. <laughs> I, I was thinking the other day is like when a woman comes up to you and talks to you, it's like this woman just asked me for the time. You know, she's not asking for the time. But you know what? <laughs> no, maybe she is just asking for I'm the so time. Sorry hey, Ronnie, what time is it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time for you to stop like, talking nonsense. Yo, in, this, in this particular situation, stop talking shit. <laughs> in, in hindsight, you can realize that they weren't okay. Someone a- comes up and asks you for. You guys are going to twist it no matter what I say. Yeah. But somebody no. asked you, you twist it yourself. Meet. She's got an iPhone, okay? She knows what time it is. Maybe her phone's dead. Cute. Then ask for a charger, no, no, girl. I want, I, want, <laughs> I, want, I want No, I want I want him to finish what he's saying. I want to get to the bottom of this. Oh my God. We've turned into a, a lifestyle dating show. Um, <laughs> the bottom of this is I think that... Let me formulate this in my head, okay? Um... So I said that women go with a less a less committal opener on Bumble. So on Bumble, you match. It's the swiping thing, and the woman has to message the man first. They're wanting to like change it up. So I think kind of the underlying thing is that if a woman messages you messages you on Bumble, she's at least interested. It's like your foot's kind of in the door. Even if she just says hi, yeah. And you have you only have twenty four hours from when you match mm-hmm. to to message. Otherwise, they disappear into the mist, and your future. You know, husband, that's was a husband, mm-hmm. could mm-hmm. be gone. So I think people don't like writing, hey, I really like your shirt that says world's okayest runner. You know, what would it take for me to get one like that? They don't want to deal with that sort of like personalized rejection. They don't have a ton of time. And so they'd rather just go, Ronnie, Dean, and then have you ignore it. And it's no harm, no foul. But if they say something like super committal of like, you have wonderful eyes. I bet you had a great mother. She did a heck of a job what? in raising you. And your suits are so tailored and delicious. I think you had a good mother. Really? She's yeah. eating your suits. That's kind of weird. <laughs> well, aesthetically delicious. My brother basically. dated a girl anyway. that ate the last page of every book that she read. That's weird. That's weird. That's mm-hmm. So anyway. people eat shit. It kind of reminds so. me of my, of my honeymoon. We would uh, just eat pages of... What yeah, the books? You never know. No. Oh, what okay. are you talking about? <laughs> that is weird. Okay, <laughs> so can we? Yeah. Okay. Let's. So hang on. So you don't think that that women are um are or men are better in dealing with rejection in dating? No, I think it, I genuinely think it's fifty fifty. Because who gets it? Do you, do women typically approach? That's like every man's dream is to I have a woman approach them. But women, most time, men women are approaching. Definitely right? approach. Oh, they do. It's changing. Women. For sure. No, it's it's not even about that. Do women, you approach Missy? I don't need to. Hi, oh, Do you not understand um, what no. she's telling you? What I'm saying. What, male what I'm ego, saying male is, ego's so fragile that th- there's an entire industry that has to be built upon it. Otherwise, you guys can't consume it, and your egos have to be so porn. Um, it, no, everything has to be blue or black, and otherwise, you guys won't consume it. Blue and if it's black? pink, you guys won't wear it. What are you talking about? Male, I love pink male shirts. Salmon suit right now. I want a pink cigarette. That's how much I like this shit. Male masculinity is. So fragile. Anyway, let's get back to our guest. Missy, what do you think about male masculinity? Is it fragile? Oh, my goodness. No, it's so fragile. You made a good point. Is you, you don't have to because men are approaching you. So that's no, the point I'm that's making. that's not why. No, that's why. No, because I'm already happy with what I have. Anyways, Missy, it's good to see you. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good. You're good? I don't know. That was like a very like personal, like, how are you doing? Like a doctor, how are you doing? No, I'm, when we went to go pick you up at the velodrome, I'm always so excited to be inside of the Carson Velodrome because if you guys don't know what's happening this weekend is the UCI World Cup Tissot brought to you by Tissot. Do you know what Tissot is that? Do you know what they develop? Explain what Tissot is, Dean. Expensive ass watches. The only Bam. the only reason I know anything about Tissot because I went through a like watch phase when I was younger. It's a mirror. It's a <coughs> <laughs> so you can look at yourself. <laughs> Missy, you know what we like to say putting the gnar in narcissism. <laughs> She's killing it. She's killing it. I listen, love Ronnie, Missy already. As I, started, as I started talking about watches, Ronnie's like shining his watch at her, and it's just a fucking mirror. And, and Missy's like, that's a mirror. <laughs> to look at yourself. What, what time does that say? <laughs> it's a mirror. No, the watch, the watch looks like a mirror. It's not what time it is. Missy, you'll never guess where I got this watch. Um, the alleys in downtown. Straight up, <laughs> straight up 99 cent store, and it is the sharpest watch. Did I you really? Heard. Yeah. Isn't You're cool? lying. Honest. It's really legit. So the That's band, I'm going to describe this for you. The band is like a fabric Argentina colors, blue and white. And Argentina the, is light blue. The watch. Blue. Missy, There's back at it again the with the smack talking. Are we going to wrestle? We're, I think we're probably about the same not rate this I've been cutting. I'm down to like 105. We're not trying to get kicked out of our own office. It's a library. I got your back, Missy. Don't worry. Thanks. We'll kick his ass. Don't, don't worry. You tag Aveta and she's going to grab a chair and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to run and leave you guys fighting. So fuck no, that d- noise. D- don't let Dean lie to you. Dean you documented on the podcast. Dean's on he's World, take World Star Hip Hop and he's filming it. With yeah, his I will. Flip phone. Missy Erickson, USA Cycling champion. You know what I mean? And fucking Ronnie Toe. Getting a fight with a vet throwing in chairs, <laughs> and then a loud and high tower. The only black guy in the group runs. Wait, you're black? I'm black as night. This whole time I thought I thought you were Arab, Mexican. Oh, Mexican. <laughs> you were a Mexican, not a Mexican. I remember that. Arab, Dean, Dean is Mexican by by association. You you can claim the brown. I can I'll give you your brown card. Thank you. Show Them you the and UPS. Shining, shimmering, splendid. All right, all right, Tell all right. Tell me, right. Missy, when you're stomping pedals and ripping the legs off of them. Do you rip legs off of people, Missy? No. You don't. Yeah, you do. You rip other legs off of females, as in, like you give them a run for their money. Oh, of course. That's why I race bikes. Let's Brat. talk about. Let's talk about that because we we could just keep talking shit for two hours about everything else. I can so tell. Let's <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a good episode. Have we started recording it? Get yeah. the fuck out. Are you serious? Oh God, <laughs> got him. Missy, tell us a little bit about how you got started in cycling. Uh, your background. When did you decide? Did you play any other sports or anything like that? I played all sorts of sports. Like as a kid, obviously, mm-hmm. like everything with a ball pretty much. Because cool. um, I grew up in Minnesota. So most of the wintertime you spend indoors. So you're never outside. Um, but I actually got hit in the eye with a pencil when I was like 15. And what? so all like ball was it, sports. Was it like a hater ass girl? No, that did it, it was, was like, nah, fuck Missy. We're going to stab this girl in her eye. No, no, we don't have mean people in Minnesota. We're nice. Trust me. They're in the hills <laughs> killing people there. You got mean people. Well, in Minnesota. How do you know this? Um, Cause I've seen Fargo. That's why. Fargo's in North Dakota. Minnesota's not that far away. It's not that far away. It's not that far away. It's That's really what I'm far. saying. North it's Dakota it's and the, Pennsylvania. It's the cold. That I know it drives Minnesota. people crazy. That drives people crazy. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It gets really cold. Yes. Yes. But so when what? that happened, I lost all depth perception in my right eye, which I still oh. don't have today. So it's like 
I run into things all the time, like car mirrors and your eyes are beautiful. I didn't know that you can't see in it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I stopped playing ball sports and then I started Nordic skiing. It's a cross country skiing. Oh, nice. And then, um, I started cycling because that was my summer training for cross country skiing. So that's how I got into bikes. Cross country skiing is one of those things where you see people like on, like I've always seen somebody like on a flat surface and they're just like, like that's, that's called skiing. Yeah. That's skiing. But usually you see people bombing down a hill when it comes skiing, like like downhill skiing. Exactly. But when it comes to the cross country, it's not always downhill. No, you go up and down. You go up and down. And that's what I'm saying. So like how much harder is it to, I guess, cross country ski compared to just usually when people go to mammoth, they just smash down a hill and then they get back in the gondola and they go up. You yeah. Know what I mean, I've always, I've always said like cross country skiing is the hardest thing I've ever done. Like really? even compared to cycling, like I've never met matched like that intensity level. Cause it's, it's literally like sitting above threshold just below your maximum, mm-hmm. like heart rate for, right. you know, it could be up to an hour at a time. So it's very, very intense and mm. very, you know, like they go really fast too. And the crashes are gnarly and, right. um, yeah, it's, so it's, it's pretty intense compared to just going down a hill, which I mean, you get sore after you go downhill skiing too. So it's not like that's like a leisurely activity too. Right. Like full right, body right. soreness. Yeah. Some of the highest tested max VO twos are of, um, cross country skiers. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. The highest ever was 92. And just to give an indicator, I think I was 68 when I was a cross country college runner. So it's a pretty good, big gap. I mean, somebody okay. is nearly 42% fitter than you. Mm-hmm. Check that math. It's correct. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, thanks, thanks <laughs> <laughs> um, don't take me too seriously. Don't you have a calculator on your iPhone? Hey, don't look over here. It's yeah. like the, you know, the wizard. Don't look behind the curtain. He has alternative. I know he's on Instagram. He's scamming and grabbing. I just posted, Ronnie, post a picture back of your head. Ronnie gets Kardashian back dollars. Back my head. Yeah, check it. You're not even tagged in it. It's just like, who's that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. He's crazy. We'll We're not friends yet. He's so rude. <laughs> He's rude. Anyways, let's, you're from Pennsylvania. How is the cycling scene out in Pennsylvania? Oh, uh, well, I've, I've only lived there for a year. Oh, really? I, yeah, I, I lived out here for right. okay. three or four years, and then I moved there last April. So, um, I mean, in terms of the... The track scene, it's really good. Like, all the international riders come for three months in the summer Mm -hmm. to T-Town. So, it's, um, in terms of, like, racing on the track, it's really intense, but only for that short period of time. Aren't they building a velodrome in Pennsylvania right now for the the six-day event or the WCL specifically? What is this? Oh, you requested to follow me. Yeah, sorry. Deny it. Deny it. You have to request to follow Missy. You You do. You can't just hop on that wheel. No. You know what weirdos there are out there? You have to. You have to filter. But you're like, you know, you're a pro cyclist. Why not put the vibe out? No. No. (laughs) So I have a Facebook page. Maybe it's right. Yeah. See, I do it the opposite way. I at least used to. I treated Facebook as like more personal and then... Insta scam, but then I felt bad like saying no to these fixie kids. So it's like if you're a human being, you'll respond to a question. Mm-hmm. But it's so. a non human beings that you have to filter out. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I say um, it's the weird did people we that need tag you in twenty dollar Oakleys. Mm-hmm. Uh, She's talking about the Chinese ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't know nothing about that. Yeah. No, of course. I, <laughs> any, so you were saying I, that there's Yeah, back to what we're talking yeah. about. Thank you. Let's stay on subject here. <laughs> Bye, um, but yeah, so the the like the summer race season is mm-hmm. is really good. Um after that, it, 
gets cold and miserable and right. I haven't seen the sun in I don't know how long. So. How cold? Just to give us a California uh, an idea. Honestly, it's warmer in PA right now than it is here. So oh, wow. it got really nice as soon as I left. Climate oh. change. There's some weird I stuff know. happening. Global warming. But that doesn't exist. That's right? why well, I call no, it climate doesn't. change because sometimes it gets colder in certain That's spots. True. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, what they're doing with weather modification and cloud seeding is not going to have a good long-term effect. Are you familiar with cloud seeding? They ionize the clouds with silver and various metals like aluminum. And it causes it to rain more when it's raining. That this is, is not even a conspiracy. This is just mainstream science. Cloud seeding. Google that. Yeah. In 1955, America and Russia signed a peace treaty, agreeing <laughs> that they wouldn't use weather as a weapon. Is that why this building's Russian? Possibly. Yeah, that's why the building <laughs> the that Trump we walked effect. into, the Putin, was that's had so, Russian so all over. Fake news. It's like yelling, "No, you're a doo head. No, you're fake news. No, you're fake news." CNN, I believe it was, had a, they've added this thing at the bottom of their intro. It says, real news. <laughs> so a bunch of like rich white guys in a uh, boardroom be like, so how do we counter this fake news thing? Mm-hmm. We, uh, okay, uh, real news. Yeah, yeah, let's say we're real news. That'll sell it to the sheeple. Well, the dope thing about Cycle Feed is we provide real news here. Yeah. So Kill your TV. Kill your TV. Go to Cycle Feed. Listen to our podcast. Listen to sh- cool shit that we have coming out. So it's cold Let's, where you're from. Yeah. You're training indoors. Do you ride on the trainer yeah. a lot? What does it look like? I, well, I didn't ride that much before, like the last couple months. But um, I actually have a Watt bike. So I once I get home from work, Sweet. I pretty much just get on that thing and ride as long as I can. What's stand that? It. A walk bike, it's like a stationary trainer, but it's like power-based. So oh, I see. You can Sweet. put resistance on it and get all your power data and, cool. and all that stuff. You cool, can cool, set cool. it at you know 400 watts, maybe 500 for Missy, and it'll change the gear to make you hold that, right? Yeah, so you can, you can set it by like a magnet or like by the wind trainer. So there's mm-hmm. two different options. So you can do both of them if you want to. Um, but yeah, then you can, you can, instead of just getting on your bike on the rollers and just riding, you can do really specific stuff in a really short time. Cool. And by cool. the way, Missy, um, owns her own aero sports office in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. So if you need a bike fit or, and what are the other services that you provide? I do aero testing up Air- in Canada. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, wow. so if you need, yeah. Can you explain what aero testing is for yeah, people that I'll might not know? So it's, it it's, I mean, you always see like pro riders going to the wind tunnel or, or stuff like that. So we do velodrome based aero testing so in some ways it's more realistic because you're actually riding a bike so you get to feel the way the bike moves and how that interacts with um yaw angles yeah all of all of that stuff and versus in a wind tunnel you're on a stationary bike the bike doesn't move at all because it's locked in so a lot of riders when you ride obviously your bike moves with you so that gets put into our aero data so we can test we can test anything we do a lot of position work with Mm -hmm. a lot of pro and amateur athletes um and then we test like skin suits and helmets and bikes and wheels and, and all sorts of stuff. Tight. Cool. I like That's to cool. call it profamature or amethystional. Feel free to steal those. Okay. Ronnie just <laughs> makes shit up. Just say. Yeah. Just, <laughs> we just we just say yeah so that he doesn't get violent. We're like yeah Ronnie. I can get it goes, <laughs> violent. It goes to fisticuffs. Like <laughs> his hands like ready to. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his hands all crooked. And <laughs> Is your hand crooked? It's not crooked. Uh, I had a, a motorcycle crash. And I was gonna say you've got scars everywhere. Yeah, yeah, scars all over the place. Now, you've had a pretty gnarly career. Gnarly career. I mean, I'm saying six national yeah, champions. Okay. I friend you. You're good. But you didn't follow me back. That's okay. We'll get there. 35 international <laughs> wins. And uh, 
you like I mean six national champions let's just like talk about those like from the top what do you remember all six that you've gotten yeah let's go down the list okay well I started I started riding on the track in 2012 so I actually moved here right after I graduated college Mm -hmm. um and so that spring of 2012 I started riding and then my first national title I won was the elite women's 500 meter and that was in 2013 um and then that same at that same race, I also won the team sprint with oh, cool. um, my training partner at the time. So, um, and that year they had timed events and mass start events separate mm-hmm. at different times. So the timed events were out here in LA, and the mass start was in Rock Hill, South Carolina. Okay. But I flew out and raced in Europe during mass start nationals, so cool. I actually didn't compete in the other uh, like sprint disciplines at the time. So, um, and then the next year in 2014. We had nationals in Rock Hill again, and they did everything there. And I won the Kieran and the match sprint that that time. Um, and then I went to Pan Am's a couple weeks after. So I actually won those two titles on training form, like in a pretty big <laughs> hole. So I was pretty excited about that. Really? Um, yeah, so those were those, were those four. And then um, I didn't compete in the 2015 nationals because I had a pretty – gnarly crash just a couple months beforehand and i was still trying to recover from that on the track mm-hmm. how gnarly was it um i well it was at this track here and okay. i crashed at 68k an hour straight onto my face mm-hmm. let's um, translate that so that's about 35 miles an hour 18 i think it was 50 right? 68k i don't know i just go right in the middle it's 50 it's like, so 18k is uh the great mathematics of Ronnie. We got Bill Knight, the science 40, guy, over here 42. on it. Forty-two point six miles per hour. Forty-two. So yeah, I was. I mean, it was. It was. <laughs> I, I cracked my bike in half. I punctured a hole in my disc, and oh, I blew up. That's pretty damn close. That's, yeah, there you go. Nice by, job. Was off by point three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hire me. Um, <laughs> and I blew the IO, my Mavic IO, apart. Ooh, ooh okay. that's the five spoke. Um, yep. Most people don't so, know the name of it. In terms of like equipment wheel. damages, I I blew up about thirty five grand. Oh, Whoa. that's crazy. Um, and I I had a level three concussion, so even my short term memory now is like. If you tell me like a number, I'll forget in it in the, the next way. like five minutes. Like, yeah, terrible with short term. Um, wow. I broke my collarbone into three pieces and had surgery oh on that gosh. immediately, mm-hmm. and then I dislocated and fractured my wrist and I tore the ligaments and tendons. So I'd have surgery on that too to mm-hmm. fix that. Can you show us the the collarbone scar? Yeah, it's really good. It's oh, that that's, one. That's gnarly. I know he did a really good job. He did the stitches under the skin. Yeah. Did you go to a plastic surgeon or an actual no, medical doctor they, here? I I got. Brought to a hospital somewhere, don't remember mm. where, um, in Torrance somewhere. Anyways, mm. they called in like a special orthopedic surgeon to come and do my collarbone. So they, they say it's in awesome. LA that um, it's, it's kind of crazy, but my doctor, I, I had an emergency room doctor, but he was like a former plastic surgeon. He was like, when you have injuries here, you have a much better chance of actually having it like aesthetically more beautiful and actually it coming out correctly from yeah. a plastic surgeon than a regular doctor because yeah. they're taught here and especially Southern Cats LA, they're taught to just keep you beautiful. I'm not saying you're beautiful. 
you are beautiful. <laughs> but what I am saying is this. He doesn't mean it like he's, he's putting his foot in the What he means to say is he's not trying to be creepy. I'm, I'm DMing. You're welcome. I'm DMing her boyfriend right now. I'm not like Ronnie. She's I just let him. people know it's up right away. But still. Um, Ooh. Shots fired. I feel like I'm the most straight shooter there is. But no what filter. it is, what it is is that like they just need to make it look nice. And yeah. so you're, you're saying like, oh, it's important to just make it beautiful you know what i mean it's nice clean scar yeah they did do a really good job with it they did a good job on her wrist too i mean why am i cross-eyed if that's the case what do you mean i definitely got my surgery done in la why why am i cross-eyed are you cross-eyed you're not cross-eyed you're close now you are (laughs) ronnie metal's natural working in downtown in a warehouse somewhere to get himself fixed up after his do you know who your uh your orthopedist was no, I don't remember. Yeah. But you know what? The 35 grand doesn't matter because we're happy that year. So break, yes, that, well. break that down for us again. The the Mavic IO, what's the price tick on that? Maybe it's five. like five. That's crazy. It just says carbon wheel just exploded pretty much, right? I, yeah. I, and I, then what? It like, ta- like half tacoed and came yeah. back. Um, you hit something? I was match sprinting against somebody. I was actually supposed to. It was the day after my birthday and it uh, was on Mother's Day. Ooh. And... This Two is like days, May eighth. May, yeah. How do you know that? That's weird. I'm really good. At you know math. what my birthday is? He knows uh, exactly. <laughs> a day before. He said a day before. It was the day after she my said, birthday. So it's how do you know May what my 10th. birthday is? <laughs> May tenth is a good day to be born. Yeah, I wasn't born on May tenth. I yeah. crashed on May tenth. I know. May tenth is my birthday. Oh, it is. Wow, yeah. that's Mexican Mine's Mother's May 9th. Day. I was born on Mother's Day. Mexican Mother's Day. Taurus. That's why we get along. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're like, you think we're getting along? (laughs) That's funny. Go Um, ahead. So you were match sprinting and. Yes. And and I was getting ready to pass um, this guy and he was much larger than me. Like not as tall as you, but he pretty tall and Mm -hmm. had a couple more pounds on than Mm -hmm. I do. Um, And he just moved up out of the lane and his foot actually went into my front IO and picked my bike up off the ground. So in the video that we have of it, you literally see me, my entire bike come up. And then when his foot came back down through the pedal stroke, my front wheel went with it. And I just went, my front wheel came down and I just went straight onto my head. Do you have the video on you? Let's watch it. No, my my boyfriend had it because he also coaches me and he's had it and I've only seen it once. You've only seen it once. He's only let me see it once and then he he said I couldn't. a sprinter or like an endurance guy? He was a sprinter. He he was on the 04 and 08 Olympic long team. I can learn how to be a sprinter. (laughs) Yes. So we want to talk about more of your career. So that accident, was that the training accident that prevented you from competing in the world's or is that um, what led up to that July 25th yeah, race? It, it pretty much led up to, I had, so after that accident, I was off the bike because, I mean, I just couldn't ride. We, we kept trying to train, but the concussion was just too bad. So um, UC Cycling has selection criteria that you have to meet to, to go to different events. So just being like the number one ranked rider or the number one choice does not mean that you actually get to race at events. Interesting. Um and to qualify for the Olympics, you have to you have to you have to race in your continental championships and the World Cups and the World Championships to get mm-hmm. points over the course of two years to qualify for the Olympics. So, if USA Cycling doesn't select you and you can't earn those points individually, you can't you won't have an opportunity to race at the Olympic Games. So, what I had to do is I crashed in May, 
I got back on my bike the second week of July, and the third week of July, I raced Hold on. in Seattle. A month and a half later, because <clears throat> that's what you just did, mm-hmm. you had a broken collarbone, your wrist was fucked, and... <laughs> a concussion. And yeah. a concussion, and you get back on a bike a month later. But wait... You also took off the cast, right? I did. So I had, uh, I wouldn't let them put a hard cast on because right. I had to try. I was like, I, I can't I need to train. train. Right. Um, so what they agreed about doing was they gave me a custom molded splint, which wrapped, it pretty much wrapped around so I could open it up um, and I could take it off when I needed to, but Jeez. it was still a really, it was a hard splint. And so I actually raced with it. Um I actually raced with it when I was in Seattle, but it bothered me so much that in the final, I had to win. That was mm-hmm. the thing is I had to win to get the points to stay the number one ranked rider because mm-hmm. every other U.S. cyclist had had all summer to compete and earn mm-hmm. points. And if I won that one race from the summer, I would remain the number one ranked. So I'd get to go to Pan Am's on the U.S. team. So I, I did do one race without it, but then mm-hmm. I had to put it back on because it, it was it was very painful. But... um at what yeah. point, like in the pedal stroke, did you feel it while sitting or standing, sprinting? I couldn't stand at all. Okay. I did everything. I did all of the races seated. I did my 200 seated, the Kieran seated, everything. Because as soon as I stood and put pressure on it. Um, you just felt it. Yeah. And they, they warned me like it was dislocated. So everything mm. was loose. I This one. Oh, I've done this one too. The little pins, all the holes from the yeah. pins. Yeah. I did a good job. Um, but anyway, so yeah, I went there, raced in July. Um I won both the sprint and the Kieran like I needed to. So mm-hmm. I remained the number one ranked athlete. But like a week or two after that was the nationals. And I didn't have the money at the time because I had just blown all this money with medical expenses. Because even though I had health insurance, um, I mean, you could get into a whole debate about how great that part of our country is. I was, okay. Okay. Um, all right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. It's, it's like a battle that I've been fighting for a while. Uh-huh. Um, but I had like at the end of everything, it ended up being like three hundred thousand that I had to come up with, and I'm like I'm not a paid wow. salary athlete. I don't get paid by USA Cycling. Um, That's so, after insurance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I had Smokes. I started working. I was working like two different jobs and yeah. trying to train. Um, and I made the Pan Am team, and I went to Pan Ams and I got fourth, which is the top sprint result for any US athlete at the t- at the time. That's cool. Um. But after that, USA Cycling told me that I had to pay my own way to the World Cups. And so I pretty much like, I was like, I can't financially do that. That's not sustainable. So in terms of that accident being the thing that kind of like ended my Rio games, it totally was because I was on such a great trajectory and, you know, everything. And then, Mm. you know, it's like I've always said like one accident can just like change it all, change everything. And Mm. it totally did. And it happens to a lot of athletes. And I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And um, I didn't get to go to the World Cups. And it wasn't until I was so far ahead. Like, at the time that I didn't go to the World Cups, I'd actually qualified an Olympic spot already. Okay. And I'd only competed in four of the possible ten events. And so you have to you – there's only two two spots for women's Kieran out of the entire Pan Am countries Mm -hmm. so there's 44 countries that are in the pan am continental area Uh um and there's there's only two spots so i was within one of those two spots until the very last world cup when a colombian rider made it to the second round of the kieran okay and she then outscored me by like 
30 points. And oh. so I missed the Olympics by 30 points. So, yeah. Wow. That was a similar situation Nate had um, with not being able to get sent to races, um, just bureaucracy and red tape and funding. And so he was going to have to pay his own way, and you need a certain amount of points to qualify for the Olympics. And then. What is what is the protocol when it comes for, to something like this? Did, do you feel like they didn't give you that twenty thousand w- to go to the uh, to the event because they're like, oh damn, she wrecked last year. We don't know if we want to spend the money, or do you think they? I'm just looking at all possible options here, yeah. just trying to understand. I you mean, know, because you had you were still doing great. Yeah. The, the the part that gets sticky is is like USA Cycling Selection criteria. It mm-hmm. it said in order for me to get funding, I had to make a time standard, but the the period for the time standard ended before I even got back on my bike bef- before my accident. So mm-hmm. there wasn't even an opportunity for me to make that time standard. Um, and so because I didn't is why I didn't receive funding. So. Technically, USA Cycling went with their protocol. They went with what their selection criteria says and that, you know, they have to follow that. Otherwise, they show favoritism to certain athletes and not others. Mm-hmm. Um, has it been done before where they've sent athletes that haven't made time standards? Yes. Of and it's, course, it still right? happens. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, but at that time, you know, you could say like, oh, I should have fought for it more. Or I should have, you know, fought it in the public eye or I should have done something else. And to, you know, all I had to do was go to one World Cup and I would have gone to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, but How much would that have cost out of pocket, would you say? But that's, grand, right? yeah, it, I mean, when we, much? when we broke it down, it would have been like 20 to 25,000 that I would have had to come up with. Where do all those fees come from? USA Cycling service fees. You have to pay USA Cycling in order to compete, regardless. Um, How much is that? It depends. It can be. It can bug up to one thousand, two thousand dollars at times, depending Jeez. on the event, um, depending That's on their hard. selection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, flights, right. baggage fees. You know, <laughs> flying with your bike is not cheap. Um, you know, and kind of like the training and the maintenance that you have to do leading up to that is kind of everything that we were like, okay, you know, because I was still going to physical therapy. I was still having concussion symptoms. Um, I didn't actually get over my concussion until this past summer. I was just going to ask you, are you still suffering from concussion symptoms? I mean, the short-term memory stuff, as right. you know, is like, you know, I'll, I'll walk up the staircase at home because I need something and I'll get to the top and I'll be like, I literally, for the life of me, don't know what I was doing. Yeah. Like, why did I walk up the stairs? Right. Um, when you cross thresholds, I think normal people without concussions, um, there's like a shift that happens when you enter a new room. Yeah. And so I think for, for folks like us, and I've had five concussions, just basically a walking. <laughs> it's um, like a zombie. Mm-hmm. Zombie was the word I was actually going to choose instead oh, yeah. of the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's frustrating, though. Yeah. yeah. I think I have, what I do is I'll just like, I'll say it. I'll be like, man panties. Man panties, like, or whatever it is you're Just going to grab. Shut up! You don't say that to yourself. No, that's what I call underwear for dudes. Man panties. Man panties. It's funny. In my do head you wear least. briefs or do you wear boxers? Um, I wear like H and M stuff. Um, so H and M very very specific. Well, it's like a contoured contoured pouch. <laughs> <laughs> contoured. Really? Say uh, that three times fast. Missy contoured pouch. I don't, don't want to no. say that at all. Let alone fast. Um. He's crazy. So, man, that that accident, it's it is kind of I guess it's an athlete's worst nightmare is having an accident, right? It pretty much was like I everyone thought I was being over dramatic, but I was literally laying I couldn't move. Right. Everyone kept trying to move my arm and I was literally like screaming at people like on They're the like, track. Are like, you sure this is be, broken? Well, because <laughs> you, could see, you could see my collarbone was broken. Right. But 
the thing that you couldn't see was my wrist. I'm sure it was swollen. It was, well, honestly, it was just like, I just couldn't move my arm. Like, I just, I didn't want anyone to touch it. And uh, so it was kind of like bent out like pinch, this. Pinch and something. so everyone kept trying to move my arm in. And it was just like, and and I kept saying like, no, no, no. Like, this is not happening. Like, right. this is this can't be happening. And the EMT literally came up next to me and he goes, oh, yeah, she broke her collarbone. And I was just like, I think I just like burst out in tears. Yeah. Because to me, that was... That was like, okay, you're not racing in Europe. You're not getting any UCI points. You're not right. going to be ranked. That's you're not going to. Yeah. And, yeah. And, then I, and then I see like Rio just go out the door because it's, you know, you get that close. And in the end, if if somebody would have walked up to me and handed me a $25,000 check, I would have been a Rio Olympian. Yeah. But that doesn't happen in my life. So right. it didn't happen. And so, what you know. What about a GoFundMe or Kickstarter? You know, what, it's. What year was this? It was in 2015, but I mean, I think they had Kickstarter back then. Oh yeah, for sure. But throughout my entire career, (laughs) because U.S. track cyclists aren't supported by our national governing body and by our country, (laughs) my entire career has been funded by people donating me money or by sponsors giving me money, and I don't. And so I, I didn't feel right to to say, like. You've you know you've you've given me so much money. I, I need, need twenty thousand more. more. Like, and it's not <laughs> yeah. easy. It's, it's not, not easy, easy right. to fundraise that no. much. And and so that was really hard for me because it, it like I did go back and forth a lot wow. of, of yeah. you know do I do this? Do That's I not do this? Place. And and it just got to be so much dealing with you know insurance companies and medical bills and and trying to you know stay keep my head above water mm. so when they go okay we need your answer if you're going to go to the world cup or not and i don't have that money in front of me i just had to say i can't make it happen mm-hmm. and they were like okay see ya and that was it can i ask a question does usa cycling do they have a medical insurance thing for their athletes what's so i had at the time i had health insurance through the united states olympic committee okay um but that insurance is meant as kind of an over. Yeah. So it's supposed to be over any insurance that USA cycling provides. So the problem was, is I was not at a USA cycling sanctioned race or training camp. So the USOC insurance has a $25,000 deductible per injury. So my head was one, my collarbone was one and my wrist was one. Because when I got brought into the emergency room, they didn't do a CT of my head, so they didn't know that I had a concussion, even though we had the helmet and we what showed them. What year was this? 2015, like that two is years ago. so crazy. Yeah. And then um, they did my collarbone right away, but they said that I had to have surgery and a specialist look at my wrist and two weeks later. And you at a hospital here in yeah, Southern California. Yeah, in Torrance. The reason why that's crazy- Torrance Memorial? Uh, like Little Company of Mary or something, wherever yeah. the EMTs brought us. I've got a, a hot tip before we go too far with the, the bike flight, because I'm trying to think, like, 20 rounds seems really steep, and I love being able to get, like, the same effect for less. Like, Airbnb is such a game changer. Um, being on a family plan with friends for your cell phone instead of each of you paying $100. You know, just no, kinda that's kind of sketchy. That fucks up the whole cell phone plan. If you do, if you get on a cell phone plan with your homies... Yeah, well... Not your homies, maybe your friends. Like well, you friends, trust. homies. <laughs> Not your like, friends. No. <laughs> <laughs> like you're choosing these people no. wisely. You're choosing like not fun employed people. So, okay, I'm thinking with the uh, the, the flights, if you have a media pass, um, your bike can be camera equipment or lighting equipment, sound equipment, and they don't charge you for it being See, a bike. The, I tried to do that once and they made me open it. 
Yeah, they did that to us at the and airport. And then once it looked like that jackass that when he I opened it and, and it was a bike. Had, I don't we know why I get away this. with this stuff. It's a suit. I think it is. It probably it's is. It's called privilege. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> blonde, when, the, when the tiny little white girl blonde walks up, blonde. they don't give me any sympathy. <laughs> they don't give it. She no. get white privilege as a white male, but not as a white woman. No. Because mm-hmm. they're like, what do you got inside of that bag? I want to think know. that I'd still be like I know there is white privilege. I'm not gonna, privilege. I'm not going to be that uh, ignorant. It's like there, the guy open carrying with the AR-15. There was a Swiss dude. rider once who used to bring little Swiss chocolates with him, and he would sweet talk the the, the counter woman. <laughs> funny with into chocolate. with chocolates. Yeah. And really, I, I'll be honest. I always check that seems in like something the, black women would fall I always for. check in with a woman and, or a gay man. Then hmm. the well, there, that's see. how you get it. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, besides the accident, Missy, I know there's been, you've been getting a lot of press over, you know, you, you know, you came out and you spoke out and you, you know, shared your story of sexual abuse Mm -hmm. and cycling. Um, and you've kind of, I don't know if you realize, but you kind of become this like unofficial, like, um, trailblazer. Yeah. You're a trailblazer. You're like, you know, you're, you're, you're bringing these issues to light and it must not be the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share a little bit about your experience? I don't know how much you can share, but could you just in terms of like what's happening now? Yeah. Or? Just, just, just a little of your um, story. Now it's, it's, it's interesting. It's made my life like 10 times more complicated. Um, because now there, you know, there are like USA Cycling's doing an investigation, my hometown's doing an investigation. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's one of those things where there's always going to be people who doubt it, mm-hmm. and there's always going to be like naysayers. You know, and the problem is, is it happened in my hometown where my parents still live, and so I get to be outside of it. I get to get away. I get to be out here in LA. I get to be in Pennsylvania. I get to be wherever I want to go. But for my parents back home, they get people who come up to them and say rude things to them. And that bothers me a lot because my parents had nothing to do with it. You know, like they're always going to blame themselves because they weren't aware of what was happening. And honestly, when I think back to it, there was no way for them to be aware of it because I sure as hell wasn't going to say anything. And my abuser wasn't going to say anything either. So, um, that, that I struggle with. So that's really, really hard for me because when I talk to my parents, they'll say like, Oh, so-and-so is saying this and, and whatnot. But, um, I mean, for a majority people are very supportive. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty of people who are like, Oh my God, I can't believe I didn't realize that was happening. Like we totally saw the signs of everything. Um, and that's, that's good to know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, I guess. Can I ask you, do you feel just like in your own interactions with, which is as you, you're not in your town, but you're out, you meet, you're with other cyclists, you're with other people that are in the organization that know what happened. Do you feel like people have, are starting to treat you differently? No. 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 Okay. I don't. You know what I mean? Like what I'm saying is, is like. They kind of just like go, oh no, like like Missy's like yeah she rides, but she she, she's complicated. She's (laughs) complicated. Exactly, exactly. She's Um, complicated. Don't mess with that. I think what Dean's trying to describe is kind of like victim blaming. You know where they where you've Um, been. I'm not not that. You know how sometimes like people people don't want to bring it up. Exactly. They want to avoid it. Okay. It's, yeah. And it's yeah. not like it's, like it's not that it's not yeah. that they don't care. It's like let's say let's say I mean God forbid my dad died. Everybody here knows it. 
but no one wants to talk about it. No one wants to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. They kind of just go, oh, hey, Missy, how's writing? And they're kind of like patronizing and weird. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking to me like that for? It's one of those things where like the least, the people I expect to say something or to bring it up don't. And like the people that I Hmm. don't expect to say anything do, which is always interesting. Like um, some of my really good friends, like, no. If it gets brought up by somebody that's even with us, they won't even acknowledge it. Um, and to me, it's kind of like um, I'm still the same person I was before the story came out. And so to to me, it's okay that they don't mention it or bring it up because I know they've read it. But it's also still part of me. Like it's not going to – it shouldn't change who you think of me now as what you did before. Um and so it's like, it's always been part of me and it's still going to be part of me. And it's just in the public now because it, and a lot of people have come forward and told me their experiences too, and their stories within cycling or other sports. No, not within cycling, but within other sports or okay. just, you know, like as a female college student, like right, going to a party right, or something. Right, yeah. right. Um, you know, and so that's kind of been inspiring because I've actually had a lot of people that I've led to get help because they've also been drawn along the same lines that I was with self-harm and everything that comes with that. Um, so they can get the help that they need mm-hmm. and they feel empowered to get the help that they need because they know they don't have to hide it and it's not their fault. And I think that's the biggest thing. Interesting. At wow. any point, did you feel like you had to kind of distance okay. yourself from cycling? Oh, sorry. Like, at any point, did you feel like you had to like distance yourself from cycling because your abuser was um, in the in the community? It, not so much because I got out of Minnesota. Bec- okay. I went when I went to college in Colorado. It was mostly like <laughs> I got a scholarship number one, so that was great, and it was over 25, 24 hours from home, so I was far enough away that I felt like I was out of it, like I could get outside of it. So. I still loved riding my bike and that's one reason why I never spoke up is because I always wanted to ride my bike. I've never blamed cycling because of it because this person was also coach of one of my high school sports. So it, it would kind of follow me throughout the entire year. It wasn't just during the cycling season. Um, so yeah, I mean it, I've never blamed cycling. I don't think I ever will. Yeah. Yeah. Were there, um, repercussions for this person and maybe if you could, um, because a lot of people don't know the full story or just a short snippet if you feel comfortable um, of kind of what happened and maybe some advice on uh, on women and men um, on how to avoid some of these things, maybe some lies that they can keep themselves from buying into um, just to help other people from suffering through the same stuff you've gone through. Yeah, I mean, I was... So, like, long story short, I was pretty much like groomed, they call it. So I was led into this belief of trusting somebody that they cared about me. And, um, that trust led into them taking advantage of me. And it became a cycle of sexual abuse pretty much from when I was 17 through 18. Um, and it was very possessive and like to the point where I had to ask permission to wear a prom dress from this person. Um, not from my parents or from my school, but from this individual because they were just that controlling and possessive. Or um, he even followed me out to Colorado where I went to college and came and found me because I wasn't responding to tech messages and, and stuff. Um, That's terrifying. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't just, um, 
you know, it was, it was sexual abuse, but it was also very, you know, I was scared. And I think that's where a lot of people find themselves is in a very scary environment and they don't know how to get out of it. And Mm -hmm. so it just becomes a cycle of you want to get out of it, but you don't know how, and you don't know who to tell, and you don't know how to trust because this person's broken your trust. So I didn't, I didn't trust anybody. And I mean, nobody, like I was the most independent, like, you know, people say like, I'm a strong, independent woman. Like I was straight up like on my own. I was just going to say like, yeah, Beyonce independent, but not (laughs) independent. Yeah. I wish I was Beyonce, but I'm not. (laughs) I think everybody does. Girls do indeed run the world. That's irrefutable. You're supposed to leave that down. <laughs> Damn. I'm holding my microphone. It's sideways, so I'm going in for the kill shot. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. Go Anyways. So what finally makes you speak out about this abuse? Like, what, um, what finally, you know, what was the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak? What? I don't what know, you? to be honest. Okay. I, I, was, I was just sitting around one day, and I think I just had enough of not talking about it. You know, like, I'm 26, and... Maybe I'm 20. I think I'm 20. I'm 26. <laughs> I'll be 27 soon. Um, but it's, it's, I mean, it's been like nine, almost 10 years mm-hmm. since it started, you know, since it really started happening. So it just, I've, I've heard enough of it happening to other people or similar experiences. And so when somebody comes to me and they say like, oh, I heard this happen to somebody or, I mean, the, there's nothing that irritates me more than hearing somebody accuse falsely accuse somebody of doing something just to get their way or get out of something. Um, and I was just like, you know what? I don't want to hide it anymore. Like it's part of who I am. So you can stop with your rape jokes and you can stop with, you know, sexualizing women in front of me or talking about sexually assaulting women in front of me. Cause right. it's not funny because right. it happens to me. And, um, I cannot imagine people make rape jokes. That's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, you don't and know who Louis C.K. is? Makes me you don't know who so angry. Stand-up comedians are like yeah, this is like I don't have a TV. So it in loop. It's it's sadly it's just become part of our culture. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, and and people need to realize that it's not just a joke. Like mm. it happens, and I I, <laughs> I, I kind of giggle at the number of people who used to say those types of things in front of me that now keep their mouth yeah. shut. <laughs> like they are shut, and yeah, I'm like. like this is how you should be around a woman or this is how you should be in locker room as someone likes to term it. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in, (laughs) yeah, now we've got somebody who glorifies that kind of stuff leading our country. And that's very irritating to me as well. Um, but I was just, yeah, I was just tired of not talking about it. And Mm -hmm. now I talk about it a lot and I can talk about it because I've had the time to get over it and not, not so much get over it, but process it. Um, so that I can, because there's so many people who still don't want to talk about it. What are some, uh, healing steps that you took proactively to be able to mentally, physically get through that? I mean, I love the bike as a conduit for hope. It's saved my life many times. Just be able to, you could have had a terrible day, um, and change your brain chemistry via endorphins. And I think it's this natural built in coping mechanism. So maybe something outside the bike that you did or people that were pivotal to you. Tell us about that. Um, I mean, I've talked to many people um, in terms of like sports psychologists, and I think I've written a lot. So I had to, I kept like a journal that was just for myself that I would just like, you know, there's so much, your brain does so many crazy things. Like you, you put things away in these tiny little boxes. Mm -hmm. It's like when you move 
and there's like a missing box and you just put it, you know, it's, it's wherever it's in your basement and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden one day this, you know, something reminds you of like a certain smell or a certain sound reminds mm-hmm. you of that box. And all of a sudden you go and open it and you're like, yeah. holy crap. Like all these little stories, you know, I, I, I get questioned all the time with all these, you know, investigations going on. Um, and they want to know specific details and I'll be like, I don't know. Like, I don't remember when that happened. And I, I remember it happened. I don't know where I was or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what I was wearing or I don't know who was there. And then it'll be like a week later and all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah. Oh my God. Like mm-hmm. I, I was here and now we were doing that. And then this happened and that led to this happening. And it's like all of a sudden these puzzles come back together. Um, Mm-hmm. And all that happens through talking. It's just mm-hmm. like literally. It's I don't care yeah. what it is. There's you just freedom in that. Yeah, you just you just talk and you just get it out. It takes and so, the power away from it. Yeah, and that's the big thing too. Is is there's so much that person. It, as long as you don't talk, that person still holds that power mm-hmm. over you. So the more you talk and the more memories you get out and the more you just verbalize it, you they lose that power because all of a sudden the story's out in the open. And right. you know what is this person going to do to me now? Yeah. It's like. Before it was a fear of what if I did say something, what's going to happen to me? And now it's like, look, I said something and I'm still here. Right. Like, did mm-hmm. did forgiveness tie into that all? Did you ever have to kind of forgive yourself or forgive him or? Um, I think I have forgiven everything just in general um, because I'm still here. Number one, there, I mean, there was a time when I could not have been here. Right. Um. And like, thank God I still am because life is pretty freaking cool and I'm glad I am here. Um, but I think, I mean, it took a long time to realize that it wasn't my fault. I spent many years trying to figure out what I did that caused it and I'm blaming myself for it. Um, and now I know it's not my fault so I can forgive myself for blaming myself. Um, I mean, there's, there is part of it where there, there needs to be closure. I don't know if I'll ever really get that or if you can fully forgive. Um, because to me, I pretty much lost, you know, like I disconnected from my parents when all this was going on because I didn't want my parents to know about it. And that hurt my parents. Mm. Um, it hurt my siblings, it hurt my brother. Mm -hmm. Um, And the whole time I was in college, I pretty much like had this massive secret on my back and I couldn't have normal relationships. I couldn't have normal friendships. Um, I didn't want to go to college parties because, you know, bad things were going to happen at college parties. And, you know, it, it took me until the first time I blatantly opened up was when I was living at the Olympic training center. And I saw one of the sports psychologists there and I was 23 and it was the year it was a couple of months before I won my first national title and I just said it. I walked into this guy's office. I sat down and before he could even say anything, I was like, this happened, this happened, this happened. I tried to do this to myself and now I'm here. That's and, freedom and though. And it was, it was, it was insane. And all of a sudden, like my performance was going up, like Good. my happiness was going up yeah. and I was like, I just need to keep like mm-hmm. doing it. And mm-hmm. so I think that's, it's, it's a huge step for somebody to just open up, open and, up and talk, speak. but it, there's so much power in being able to talk. Can so. I ask you, what did you feel? Because I'm sure before you actually started talking about this situation, you were hearing of cases or you might've even looked up something on the internet. Did you look up like coaches and other athletes and other, did you, 
I guess what I'm asking is, is when you heard or saw other situations without other people knowing what happened to you, what did you feel? Clearly, this is um, happening to other people. Yeah. I what mean, is holding me back? You always hear about it. I think most of the cases you hear about are strength in numbers, though. You okay. hear about, like, the gymnast- the scandal that's going on with U.S. Gymnastics right now with yeah. their doctor. Okay. And there's, like, 20-some girls involved with right. it. And, you know, you always hear about that because there's more evidence when there's more people. Right. And so in a case like mine, it's my word against his. Okay. And so it's, it is very hard. And... um and that's what I mean. There's always going to be victim shaming. There's always going to be blame put on both aspects because for right now it's just me mm-hmm. and we don't know if there were others before me or others after me. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe I'm just the only one. And so I think for me, it was just the fact that I was, I was alone. Mm-hmm. You you feel very alone and you feel very isolated because I kept, I was always told don't let anyone find out. Nobody can know about this. You know, like bad things will happen. And, you know, when you're a little 17 year old girl from Minnesota who's grown up in a church, you know, it's you you right. do what you're told to do and you right. stay quiet and you don't want to get in trouble. So, right, right, right. How do you feel about um, all these entities like USA Cycling is opening an investigation? You said your local town's opening an investigation. I, I was curious. Town. You mean local police or just yeah. you have private investigators on it? No, or? it's just. The local police, because it happened in town, right. you know, and, and they heard about it and they were concerned about it. So they're, they're doing their own. And like, there isn't much that I can say right. in terms of details with is it. Is he still coaching? Can you, is he doesn't hold a USA cycling coach okay. license. So in terms of USA cycling's investigation, that goes through safe sport and mm-hmm. safe sport. Just make sure that no other athletes are in line to be abused. So if he did hold a coaching license, they could put a hold on that and disconnect anyone from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, discontinue a racing license so he can't race with the USA Cycling. Right. You know, and it's all temporary until everything something is goes com- through. It's clear. Yep. Good or so bad. Oh, yeah. Everything is, it's, I mean, it's very up in the air, you know, like I'm trying to get ready for a world cup and my phone's ringing with people who want questions and, and stuff. So it's, it's kind of, like I said, it, it's, it's freeing, but it's also, you know, it's opened up a lot more for me at the time. And it's a good thing to be opened up because it's, it's freeing for me and it needs to happen because when something like this does happen, someone needs to be held accountable for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just to make sure it doesn't happen to somebody else. Of like, course. like this is what's going to happen to you if you do this to somebody. So, right. um, Yeah. Right. What do you say that to other young women or female cyclists that might be in this position or maybe are terrified or scared or they feel alone? What is your advice to them? Um, I mean, I always, I always suggest people go to safe sport because it's, it's there, there is a bit of like confidence in telling someone who has power to do something that you mm-hmm. don't know. It's very hard to go to a friend or a family member and say, Hey, look, this is happening to me because there's a lot of emotion involved with that. Um, and say sport has a way that you can report anonymously. You can say, Hey, this is happening to me and this is who's doing it. And they can look into it and they can find the help that you need and they can keep you protected and anonymous. Um, and I think like at the time I didn't know that safe sport was a resource. Safe sport hadn't been implemented yet. Um, and I didn't know who to go to. I didn't know how to report something anonymously. I didn't know right from wrong. And Safe Sport has training principles. They have free courses that 
parents can take, that coaches can take, that athletes can take, and it's all free. Mm-hmm. And I was like blown away when I took it because it was so spot on to the grooming techniques right. and everything that I had been led through. That's crazy. And uh-huh. I like, I was just like dumbfounded when I took the course and I was like, like I make all of my athletes take it. I make all of our coaches take it. Like uh-huh. it's, I just think it's really important. That's so uh, important to have something like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, because it's sometimes police are too intimidating. It makes things scary. Yeah. You and by I'm the saying? way, and by the way, if you want to, if you're in a position, um, where you're being abused or you see something, um, the or website you know is something. Yeah. Um, the website is www.teamusa.org forward slash stop abuse. So once again, that's www.teamusa.org forward slash stop abuse. Missy, I'd love to, it seems like you're in a healthy place to be able to talk about it. And I just am thinking through my mind of the type of predator that's doing this and the grooming. Um, and I totally understand if you don't want to, but it sounds like you'd be cool with it. What sort of, what did the grooming process look like? I'm sure it's a slippery slope of like gradually boiling the frog and getting you comfortable with, with this and just having you be obedient and trust. Um, looking back, you know, what were some signs? What did that process look like of the lies that he told you and you know, half truths? Um, I mean, it ranges all the way from like taking me as a 15 year old cross country skier and, um, telling me that I'm really talented and I'm really good. So my parents should invest in other sports or I should go to this race or I need private training sessions, um, to buying me like watches and jewelry. Eventually That's it led to, That's too much. and, 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 you know, not communicating with my parents about when I should go places, right. but texting me instead or no, yeah. saying oh, wow. I need to go to his house to go watch this racing video or, um, you know, we're going to meet at my house to go on this group ride. And then it's only me that shows up for this ride. Yeah. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And, um, you know, it eventually led into, you know, swerving at me with his car because I had a guy in my car with me or, um, you know, just like coming all the way up to Colorado to come find me because I had switched cycling coaches at that time to the collegiate coach and he didn't think that was right. I needed to be coached by him. And so it, it became, it started out like very, you know, like a, as a parent, you're like, this coach has interest in my kid. I want them to have a better future than me. You know, they're, they've got this athletic talent. So right. my parents wanted me to they have want these. the best. But exactly. Right. And so, and there's a fine line between a parent, you know, in my eyes, my parents didn't do anything wrong. They, they trusted this individual just like I trusted this individual. And I was skiing really great. I was racing really great on my bike. Like everything was going really, really well. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always, I always say I was always afraid to win a junior to national title. I had always gotten second and I always wondered for the longest time, like what was holding me back from actually like going a hundred percent in that sprint or actually like doing it. And I was just so afraid to win because I would be held accountable to always be that good. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. And a lot of that comes from, it comes from being scared and having to take that step and like, okay, so if I win that, like what trip am I going to have to go on now? Like, what am I going to have to do after that? That comes along with all of a sudden being a junior national champion. Like what country are we going to go to now? Like, Mm. you know, what am I going to have to do after that? And you think with him, it was just the fear of having to perform at that level. A lot of it was, was with him. 
and right. um, I didn't kn- I didn't know that wow. until many years later until I was sitting in a psychologist session and and they were like let's talk about like this when it started and it's just like through the process of talking and going through like what your brain does and and how you react to different things and and we we realized that and I was like that is so messed up mm-hmm. like I don't yeah. even psycho like I didn't even know that I was doing that to myself, Mm -hmm. but I was already like holding myself back. And I think that's why when I finally just let it all out, all of a sudden it was like, I set like track records and, and was winning national titles. And it was like, just because I just like kept talking about it and got it out and processed it. And, um, yeah, I mean, the, the whole grooming technique is, it starts out so innocent and it just grows from there and it all of a sudden just becomes like a snowball and it's just like you just keep going you don't know how to stop it like you know you're so afraid to say no because if you say no then like what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. you know am am i not gonna be able to ride my bike like Mm -hmm. there's no other coach in town i grew up in a tiny town in minnesota and i was the only junior girl that Road and I was the only junior that rode, and mm-hmm. you know the closest race was like three hours away, so we'd always have to travel to go race, and right. you know, so yeah. How far was the drive from Minnesota to was Trexler Town the nearest velodrome? I I had, wasn't even on the track at that point. Okay, this is I I was just on the road when yeah. I was a junior, and then Fort Lewis actually that's where I went to college, and they yeah. they put me on the velodrome for the first time. They have a great cycling program yeah, out there. They're really good. Um, what city is that in Fort Lewis? Durango. Durango. What is the altitude yeah. there? Oh God, it's like it's higher than Colorado Springs. So it's like maybe eight eight thousand, maybe seven, so, I mean, seven and a half. Um, it's hard to breathe up there. Yeah, living living high and training high. Um, describe how that felt versus um, living low, training low. Because I mean, the ideal is uh, let's see, living living high, training low. Yeah. So sleeping in an altitude tent, essentially. Um, I had a million and a half health problems living hmm. at altitude. And I always, I always have, I yeah, you can't recover as well. No. And I, I've always been like on the slight anemic side. And oh. so when I went to altitude, I just like mm-hmm. fell through and, mm-hmm. um, I'd always have to go back home for breaks and I'd always have to go back home for the summer so mm-hmm. I could recover. And it I got, bet you'd get stronger once you came back after being home. Yeah. I mean, it was, like that's why I moved here. Because I did, I did live at the OTC in Colorado Springs for a year, well, nine months. Um, but I actually had just kept having problems there, even with the nutritionists and and the sports science and everything. They were like, "You just you can't live and train at altitude. You need to go um, to sea level." So I moved back here and cool. yeah. just to give. Uh, we love to be able to provide people with uh, relatable, helpful stuff. So what sort of health issues? So if somebody's maybe having um, these health issues while living in Colorado or at altitude, not knowing. I. Bruised very easily. That's one sign of being anemic. Yeah. Um, my lips were. T- I was very tired all the time. Allergic. My lips started turning blue. Not from like being really? outside. Just like not from eating Jolly Ranchers all no, day. No, no Jolly Ranchers <laughs> or, or suckers or any of that stuff. Um, well, my gums turned white actually, uh, so they looked no. just like my teeth. And at that point, they actually hospitalized me, so I had to have. Um, some sort of, it's like they pretty much just like infuse you with red blood cells because my red blood cells were a third the size they were supposed to be. Right. And so they weren't actually carrying oxygen, which is what was causing all my problems. It's like legal EPO. It kind of. Need yeah. A- yeah. 
Um, Therapeutic use exemption. Were you yeah. racing at the time? I was racing at the collegiate level and all of that, like, yeah, like, like, did you, you have say, to do it? I did. You I had, had to do a TUE. Yep. So I had to check in and because wow. it was, it wasn't, the amount was smaller than your hematocrit was probably, what was your hematocrit back then? I don't know. It was like, it was like in the teens. Okay. Like so below typical hematocrit is uh, 38 to like 44. Yeah. Sometimes you can have 46 if you're just a genetic freak. Um, but the upper limit for, for racing is 50. And that's the percentage of red blood cells in your blood. So red blood cells carry oxygen. More oxygen means you're fatigued at a, a faster speed. Um, cool. So that's crazy low is having it in the teens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is pretty gnarly. Now... With this story that you told us, I mean, this is, I mean, it's pretty gnarly from start to even now to even who knows where it's going to end or how it's going to wrap up. But you are extremely strong and you're extremely resilient and you've been through a lot. And even the idea that you haven't let this hold you back, but you actually figured out how to help it propel you makes you that much stronger. If you had a word to describe yourself, and I know it's like super cheesy to be like, okay, Missy, what word would... But really, though, if you could like really, like I guess, put yourself together, and how would you describe yourself in one word or a couple of words in regards to this? Don't be like Missy the badass. You know, like not like that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just normal. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, even, even like everybody has shit that goes on in their Mm -hmm. life. Everyone has a story at some point. Um, you know, but it's just like, I'd hate to say that it's just something that normally happens to people, but everybody has something that happens. So it's not, well, you know, the way that I've dealt with everything is normal and the way that I've Mm -hmm. gone into the cycling world and tried to like go up the ladder is normal. It's, you know, I'm, it's not like I'm, like dropped on, jumped on a bike and I was world champion the next week. And right. you know, then the shitty thing happened. And then I went like won an Olympic medal afterwards. Like right. I'm just, I don't know. I'm just normal. You're just doing what you're supposed to do. Yeah. That's really what it is. Yeah. And, I, and I think what's great about that is that even, like I said, even through all this stuff, you didn't let it stop you doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Cause usually, I mean, not usually, I mean, in a lot of cases, there are a lot of like discouraging things that happen in our lives that will just, just stop us. Yeah. And then a month goes by, three months goes by, six months goes by a year and a half, two years later, we realize that, Oh, we haven't been on the bike for a while. Yeah. What happened? Something just kind of disappears and you didn't let that happen to you at all. Do well, you- I mean, it- it's not like I had crappy things happen and I just like kept going up. Like at one point I was sitting on my kitchen floor, like trying to cut my wrist open, Right. you know, like it's, so there is still like, I've had my highs and my lows. It's like everybody else. So I have gone through crappy things and mm-hmm. I have, you know, tried to do even crappier things to myself because of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had to climb back out of that hole to climb out of the other hole that I'd gotten into. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you just keep going, but a lot of that too comes from other people. So you, you could say like, I'm really like a strong person and resilient. You know, yeah. Resilient. Mind. But uh, I don't know. To me, it's just normal. It's what you do. You know, if, yeah, you, right. if you want to keep going with life, you don't, you know, you can choose to walk outside and be like, Oh, I fucking hate the sun or, mm-hmm. Oh, the sun's awesome. And it's a fuck great day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Fuck the bees. Fuck flowers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, 
But it's, you know, I just chose to walk outside and say like, oh, it's sunny. Like, you know, I have an opportunity to live again and to move on from this and make something of myself. So if I'm going to do that, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to mope over here because something shitty happened to me. Right. It's something right. Jens Voigt says. He says, the sun is shining. I might as well attack. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> might um, as well. Jens Voigt's a good guy. I hung out with him once. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's the... Uh, I mean, you guys are going to think I'm just being cliche, but the way that I came up with the idea of thrive on, what that means to me is finding a way to thrive through adversity. It's like life is going to beat us all up, whether it's depression. An example I always give is uh, what if you're dealing with abuse from from a childhood? Like not everybody has the, you know, the privilege of being born to a family that, that loves them and saves up for them to go to college and um takes a uh, equity out of their home to help fund the education. I'm thinking of just like all the advantages I've had in life, being born tall, blue eyes, like to a, a family in California, in all places of America. Um, you have a ton of advantages, but when bad stuff happens to you, you have an opportunity to choose who you want to be and to thrive through it. And you truly showed us what it looked like to thrive through adversity. They're giggling at me, making fun of me, but it's, so it's all true. I thought you were going to be like, Blue eyes, blonde hair, great body. Like I'm about I'm to Ronnie. Pe- yeah, I'm Ronnie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we've we've all been through stuff, you know. That's um, funny. Everybody is fighting a battle. You yeah. may not be in a hospital bed. You may not be recovering from from sexual abuse. You may not be um, having trouble in finding your purpose or a career. But every human being is fighting a battle. Yeah. And mm-hmm. people like like you and I, we have had the opportunity to show people that you can thrive through adversity. And so we're going to daily show you what that looks like to be able to bounce back from hard stuff and come out through the fires of life, refined for the better. Can I get an amen? Said any amen. <laughs> um, amen. See, I'm not entirely full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, after going through all of the situation and you're obviously being bombarded with questions, there's new stories coming out literally, you know, weekly. How do you kind of... Put all, push all of that to the side and focus on what you're here to do right now, which is the the Tissot uh, championship right now. Um, how do you feel about being right now in L.A.? And just I love L.A. Put, the sun is shining. I, the sun is shining. It's time to attack. It's going to rain tomorrow, but the sun is shining today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's nice to be able to come back to California and be here because I've always been happy here. I've always loved LA. So Good. the fact that I get to come back here is exciting. Number one kind of feels like I'm on vacation in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you, when you get ready for an event, you like ride half as much as you used to. So you have lots of spare time. So I right. just get to hang out in the sun, which is great. Right. Um, you know, but even, even with stuff coming out, you know, on social media or like in news outlets and stuff, it's, a lot of times it's, you know, I might repost or retweet or whatever I do, you know, just, just because the story needs to be told and people need to be updated and, um, you know, a lot of people are invested in the story. So, um, would you stop playing with it? <laughs> what he doesn't understand is people yeah. hear that bullshit on people. You could hear that on here. And every time when you touch it and you're just, just like so everybody knows he's, he's not supposed to like move his this, microphone. <laughs> like, like it's heard. It's are heard. You, and. <laughs> <laughs> she can feel it. She see like she knows because it's. I'm blind over here. But yeah. God. <laughs> he's, he's, he's making rude gestures. He's he's, he's um, upset. Uh-huh. Anyways, but like now it's. I just kind of do what I have to do. It's mm-hmm. like it's like before. You just you do what you have to do. So, um, 
it's not like anything's changed for me. It's mm-hmm. like it's the same story that I've lived with for my, you know, for how many years. So yeah, of course, nothing for me really changes. It's just, um, I mean, this is my third World Cup because I've only actually been to two other ones. So um, I know, like, I'm familiar with the pressure and I'm familiar with, you know, what has to happen. So it's my first World Cup as an endurance athlete. I've never actually raced a scratch race or endurance event at a World Cup before. So that's going to be interesting. Um, but it, you know, it'll be fun and exciting. So cool. it seems obvious that you, you know yourself really well in your psychology. Um, what are some inner mantras and things that you say to yourself? And you know, on the starting line, I say certain things to me. I say, uh, remember who you are and remember what you've been through. You know, what are some things, uh, that you say to yourself in the buildup, maybe to calm yourself down on the starting line, mid race, you know, allow us in the, the psychology of a, a world, uh, caliber racer. Um, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is like, it can't, I always tell myself no matter how much it hurts, it can't hurt as much as the first week of training did. Um, which was five weeks, ago. which was five weeks ago when I was, you know, had just finished a shift working like at target or at arrow and, um, that's my ERO, it, if anybody wants to check out your website. Yeah, it's erosports.com. Is there a dash? Um, Nate, dash. Nate's got a dash. Team. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same thing as Nate. I just own my own business over in Pennsylvania. Um, but, it, yeah, I literally, it was, like, dark outside, and, and my power meter was not calibrated correctly. So when it said I was putting out, like, 180 watts, it was actually more like 400. And I was cursing at my coach, who I also live with and, you know, <laughs> is my boyfriend. So that does really great things for a relationship. Um, so it, you know, can never hurt as much as that first week did. Um, and I, I've actually had this sticker, you know, like the name stickers you have for your bikes and, and whatnot. You can put your name on it and stuff. I had one printed up that it's hashtag never forget. Um, yeah. because to me it, it meant, it, that was like before my crash and everything that happened. And it was just a reminder for me that I had put on all of my bikes for many years of just kind of like everything that got you to where you are. So it's not, it's not the result that happens on Sunday night. It's, it's all the results that came, you know, like that result came out of all of the hard work that I put into it. So one result never, never shows what you've done or what you're capable of doing. Um, so it's, it's kind of like, never forget that. Never forget, um, you know, I've, I've had friends pass away that have been really important to me and, you know, never forget like, this is your day and this is your life. And, you know, you've got an opportunity, like, I don't know when I'll ever have an opportunity to race a home world cup. You know, I didn't even know what a velodrome was the last time we had a home world cup. So, um, that's really, it's an honor to be able to race, um, and you know, the, the sticker that I have now, never forget, it's actually on the crack of my frame where we had it repaired. Okay. So cool. it's, it's like sitting right on the raw carbon. So it's kind of, you know, it's got like kind of a double meaning now. It's kind of like, yeah. okay, you know, I literally hit rock bottom mm. many times in my life before. So now I've got an opportunity like on the same bike that <laughs> I literally cracked in half, you know, like two years ago and I'm racing a home world cup. So it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of what goes through my head. What are your future plans? Will we see you in the Olympics in 2020? I don't know. Do, Do you, you want to be in the I Olympics don't know. in 2020? It's, I, I always think, you know, the people who are like, I'm training for the Olympics or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm training for 2024. It's like, it, they don't have a full grasp on how much work goes into that. Right. You know, it's so many people want to go to the Olympics and so many people want to train for the Olympics and it's, you don't really, you can't have a grasp on it until you've almost been there and you've failed. Like it's really easy 
in a team to, you know, like the women's team pursuit, they have an insane amount of support. But when you're going as an individual, it's very, very hard. So for me, it's, I would love if, if, if I had an opportunity to go to Tokyo, I would be stupid not to take it, but I know what has to go into it. And I know the amount of support that has to go into it. And I know what the amount of time that has to go into it. And mentally, I don't know if working 40 hours a week would allow me to do it. So yeah. for now it's, you know, I'm, I'm racing here this weekend. Um, you know, a scratch race, it's not an Olympic event. It's just a race. So it's kind of a new opportunity and a new challenge for me to, to kind of tackle. And, you know, honestly, I need to find the motivation and the love for it again to go after it. It's, I'm kind of at a phase in my life where it's like I'm in transition almost. It's mm-hmm. like transitioning into real life. Like, do I really want to take the full plunge? No, because I did that for a couple months and I got really fat and lazy and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't really look at that good in a swimsuit. So it's like, <laughs> then you get back in the gym and you start training and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, like I like feeling good and I like being fast on the bike. And I, yeah. I love coming back here to the track and, and riding really, really, really fucking fast mm-hmm. and having a really awesome time. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I think you said motivation, uh, you know, can be an issue. I think sometimes working uh, full time, the contrast of like I'm working, I come home, and then now I'm training. Uh, for me, it's been a uh, my training time is much more effective. I go much mm-hmm. harder. And my mom used to say um, she wouldn't wish 365 days a year off on on her her worst enemy of like not having any structure. Sometimes there's contrast, uh, beauty in the contrast of having a day off, having a, a day where you're, you're working eight hours and then still need to train. Yeah. So don't cut yourself out. Maybe you can do both. Yeah. I mean, we, we've definitely seen like even, even the past couple of weeks, like working and, and trying to train, like I've blown out like anything that I've ever done before. Like, cause yeah. my, the rest is huge. Yeah. It's, it's just like, you know, you do, you come home at, and it's dark outside and there's nothing you want to do, but, but go to bed, but you've got to train and mm-hmm. you have an insanely awesome training session. You wake up the next morning and do it all over again. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there's something that comes with that. So are you just racing? Not just racing. Are you racing the scratch race? Anything else this weekend? Just the scratch race. Okay. Yep. Cool. And are there qualifiers for that? What will that look like? How can um, we, how can we follow you? If, if people are on person are they filming it um and like what time do you go off um i race on sunday my the final i know is around like 7 30 or 8 o'clock which is a problem for me because i usually go to bed around 7 30 8 o'clock so really? I'm gonna, yes i i love going to bed it's like it's great and waking up early I like before the sun early yeah i'm always up like well i also have four dogs and they jump on me so it's like i always wake up early eight o'clock's kind of early i like nine or ten nine i mean that's usually the time i try to crash literally last night i was sitting there at 6 30 and i was like okay i'm ready for bed and i was like i was like it's 6 30 what time do you wake up back home at like four or five wow that's crazy yeah so i mean yeah, I forgot what you're talking about now, but um, the schedule of you. Oh, that's the right. Finals at like eight. Yes, so the final concussions actually, unite. <laughs> yes, right. long live concussions. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> How about long no. long live the receiver of concussions? There you go. Um, <laughs> she said long live concussions. <laughs> that shit's changing your brain, girlfriend. <laughs> I know. I'm probably gonna get really old really quick. Um, 
but yeah, so the, I'm actually the very last race for any Team USA athlete. So I'll be the very last event on Sunday night. So I hope everybody sticks around anyways. It must be kind of fun. Is there like an Olympic village where all the athletes are staying? Or? I'm actually staying because we got here early mm-hmm. and because I'm... I consider myself to be like a local or whatever as much as I can be. Um, I'm actually staying in San Pedro where I used to live and the team is staying in a team hotel. But since the teams individually have to pay for their own housing now, I'm actually saving USA cycling a couple hundred dollars. So I hope they appreciate that. They should just write you a check. Yeah, the check's in the mail. I'm sure the check's in the mail. I'm sure it is. Yeah. (laughs) Put it towards that 20 grand next time the opportunity comes up. Oh God. (laughs) That and your Kickstarter. They'd be like, fuck, we Man, we did it wrong. Let's just give her 20, mm, you know? Oh, man. Oh. I love you, USA Cycling. So, <laughs> if you want to catch Missy, uh, catch all the action at the Step Hub Carson Velodrome. Yeah, the UCI World Cup Tissot World Cup is taking place. And um, that's a big deal because World Cups don't really happen too often. Um, excuse me. Uh, here in the area. Another big event that's taking place is the first session of the FUSAC yeah, SoCal Fix. SoCal Fix Gear Series is happening this weekend. The Asia Criterium. What do you know about that, Ronnie? February twenty sixth. Um, let's see. This Sunday. We've got in the schedule. Beach. Do you want to get involved in some some real urban shit? Extra fixie if you want to. Registration in. starts at eleven a.m. I don't do road fixie stuff. Well, I'm here's too scared. It's Fred, Fred Hook. No, 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 no. Let me. Let's tell you. Let me see if we can convince you because I think you'd really. You know what? I was this. supposed to do it once. I was supposed to do. A red hook of some sort uh-huh. or anyways, any something. And right. I go home to get my bike and my dog, who's a husky, had decided to defeather all of my pillows. Really? And so I literally walked in and it looked like it had snowed everywhere. So <laughs> I was supposed to at one point. That's the worst red hook excuse I've ever heard of all Isn't time. it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's I like, was, I, got, I can't go out with you. Like, I've got to shampoo my hair. Yeah. yeah. I was going to do a red hook, but my dog messed up my living room. I literally <laughs> walked back outside to the car of the person I was going with. And I was like, my dog's crazy. Uh, yeah. I can't go. And they were like, are you serious? I was like, my room. It's literally in pieces. They're like, all the bikes are in the car. We're ready to go. I know. Like, I, nah, couldn't, I couldn't just do go it to without her. me, guys. My dog <laughs> and I are like one person. I couldn't. I couldn't oh, do that to man. her. It's like David Trimble. You're cute and all, but my pillows have just been defeathered. That's so Can't ridiculous. Yeah. So but, yeah. that'll be your next like for Tinder and Bumble. If you want to turn somebody <laughs> down, say that. sorry, I can't. My pillows are defeathered. My pillows have been. Defeathered. That's a good one. He's gonna <laughs> use that. Yeah, I know you will. I'm, I, I don't have dating apps. I'm. Um. Yes, you do. Check my phone. I don't want to touch your phone. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We we banter well, Missy, because we're both Tauruses. Like, we were born uh, a couple days apart. That's funny. I uh, I really think you'd have a good time going to this this race. You, You don't be confused or scared that it's on the street. It's perfectly sanctioned and blocked off. But... Not you stack not, up I was going to say. <laughs> but what I'm saying PDS, is... Pretty damn sanctioned. It's pretty damn sanctioned. <laughs> it's, it's, and I think you would be such a... Uh, I think you'd have a good time. You'd How enjoy yourself you, uh, on the street. You'd have fun riding with a bunch of other ladies. A lot of ladies are coming through. Like there's, I heard people are flying in. I know there are people flying in for this race. There's people from New York. There's people from what? all over yeah. New York. Some Let's um, chat about that before we um, um, uh, Kim Nonstop, I think, is in town. I don't well, know if she's okay. going to race. New York's a local. But, I mean, Kim... I know no, she lives in New York. San Francisco now. and Vegas contingent coming out. Um, Alex Medina, who um, again, I 
had a bike and put it on Instascam and said whoever rides 200 miles gets this bike and he was the first person to do it. There were three dudes that did it. I um, thought about doing it too. 200? I did. Dean's like, I, I, want I that thought book. about it. I just want to do it just to do it. Um, so we've got war. Let's see. What was it? Registration, 11 to 11.45. Uh, men's attack race. So attack is... Um, the new category for kind of the young guns. Um, it's not not a B not a B race. You know, it'd be maybe like um, if the elite the elite race is maybe cat one two three. This would be like cat four five fixed gear. Yep. So you can come and get your feet wet. Um, race for thirty minutes and then three laps to go. I believe it's a little bit less than a mile course. Maybe yeah, twelve hundred meters. Mm-hmm. Maybe three laps around a running track, three quarters of a mile. Um, women's race, uh, one to one forty-five. That is thirty minutes with three laps to go. Can you squeeze that, Missy? Can you squeeze? Can you be minutes. there at one o'clock? <laughs> when? Can you do three laps? Well, tomorrow. Sunday. Sunday. Tomorrow. Sunday. Sunday? No, no. she's gonna be Sunday. Racing. Sunday. 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 I have to race on Sunday. She's racing a World Cup. That's yeah. almost half well, as listen, important as Fusak. Fusak is way crazier than <laughs> the Dean's World Cup. Dean's got his Fusak shirt on. Could ever do for Fusak you. Fusak is All right. uh, fixed USA Cycling. Right. And it's an Indian. Yeah, and the world. The world is watching this World Cup. When I when I saw it, I was like, I bet Nate would like that shirt. Nate probably. We've been one. trying to get Nate to a Fusak, but why Nate, not? Nate, what Nate says with fixed gear is, "I ain't racing unless you pay me." Yeah. <laughs> that is the Nate. Yeah, yeah. Nate's yeah. a brilliant marketeer. He is because he's not the fastest dude out there. What up, guys? Nate are here. Entertaining. <laughs> Nate's yes. a good guy. Nate's oh, by the guy. way, plug shameless promotion. Um, we recently followed Nate Cook during uh, a bike fit. If you want to check that out, check it out on our blog at cyclefeed.xyz. Oh, yeah. who, who had the bike fit? Uh, Sarah. Sarah. Sarah, Sarah had a team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, men's race for Fusak is at 2 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. 40 minutes with three laps after. So that's going to be pretty similar to Red Hook. I don't know why they don't just do the women's race. 40 minutes plus three laps. Like, I'm going to stand sure. up for the lady humans there. I think because that's one of the biggest things is the prize money not being equal. And the uh, race duration. It's like the women aren't tough enough to race an extra 10 minutes. Like, I think that's something great that David Trimble does is, is equal, equal prize money, equal prizes, uh, equal race duration. And then once there's over 100 women, then if you're 102nd, you're not racing the final. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we may see that in Brooklyn. I, I could see that happening in Brooklyn is there being more than 100 women. Um, yeah, it's growing Then there's craft, craft Beer Podium after um, put on by J-Rock and his delicious craft beer. Mm-hmm. Um, you like craft address. beer, Missy? I only drink cider. You only drink cider? Beer makes me feel weird and wonky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes like, your, my stomach feel funny. You're just like, I wow. either drink liquor or, That's it. or cider. cider. She parties. All righty, guys. So check out all of our live <laughs> coverage like, no from Fusak. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me give the address real quick. So <laughs> I want to get you out of uh, here. Fi- <laughs> I'm like looking at the time. 5701 North Skylab Road, Huntington Beach. Information is on Facebook and Instascam. Um, the zip code there is 92647. Huntington Beach, California. Surf City, US. Say SoCal Fix season opener. We'll see you there. Sweet. We're Missy. super excited. Thank, Thank you, you for so being much. on, Missy. Yeah. We appreciate your me. candor and, and the courage. There's this great quote I read uh, recently. If you act courageously, um, forces greater than you will come to your assistance. Did so. you make that uh, up? That's a Ronnie quote. Yeah. Did you read that? Did you read that <laughs> He's like, yeah, he it smiled. is. Did you just his smile on his face? He made that shit up. <laughs> I read that. He Potent. read that last night up from on, Panda that's Express. That's Tinder profile. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much, everybody, for tuning in. Quahetti. Thrive on. Bye, guys. Bye.